Okay, good evening everyone. On this uh, night, just prior to Rosh Chodesh Elul. Elul is the last month just before Rosh Hashanah. And we are just about to embark on our journey towards Yom Kippur, which actually begins now in Elul. So let's take a little bit, a little look at the period. What are the points that we can learn from over here? And I want to especially focus on the mitzvah of Tzedakah. Okay. So the first pasuk, the first verse that is brought is Aryeh Shoag Miloyira. The lion roared. Who is not afraid? What does that mean? So, you know, let's take an example when a person is walking on a safari. And he hasn't got a game ranger with him. And he decided to go for a little bit of a walk out in the bush. And what does he hear? He hears a lion roaring and he sees that it's right there. He is going to be extremely afraid. Why? Because he realizes that the lion poses a tremendous danger to his life. When it comes this period of time, we have to have a little bit of awe because Hashem is going to decide who's going to live and God forbid the opposite and what the year is going to be like for the nation as a whole and every individual. The word Aryeh, says Rav Moshe Meir is Aleph, Resh, Yud, Hey. Aleph stands for Elul, the month that we're about to start Wednesday night, the month before Rosh Hashanah. That's the time of preparation. Resh stands for Rosh Hashanah. That's the day of judgment. Yud stands for Yom Kippur. That is the day of atonement, which is the day when Hashem cleans our veras, but it's a serious day. And finally, the Hey is Oishana Rabbah. The last day of Sukkot, which the Zohar says is the final, final part of the judgment that began Rosh Hashanah. So this is a journey we're about to embark on. The Aryeh, Elo Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur right? That's roaring to us. Wake up! Like the Pasuk says, that if the shofar is blown, are you not going to tremble? Are you not going to be afraid? In other words, it's a time to wake up. Now, importantly, whenever we talk about fear, we're not talking about anxiety. We're not talking about worry, right? We're not talking about nerves. That's got nothing to do with this. What this is referring to is a calm awareness that something very great and something so such a pinnacle, so integral to our entire existence is about to happen. And we need to be aware of that and we need to act accordingly. Now, there are other hints in the verses to this month of Elul. One of the hints is, is the following. Hashem says that I'm going to mow, I'm going to bris. The heart that's in you and the heart of your children. And in that posuk, we have over there also the acronym of Elul. 
Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed. That I'm going to bris your heart and the heart of your children. What does it mean to bris your heart? So when you look at a bris mila, the circumcision, what happens is, is that the child is born and the foreskin is a blockage. The foreskin creates a barrier. And the bris removes the barrier. So what it means in the Pasuk is that sometimes we create a barrier in ourselves between us and Hashem. And what do we need to do? What do we need to do? What we need to do is, is we need to remove that barrier from ourselves. Right? And how do we do that? How do we do that? We do that through Teshuvah. Now, the word Teshuvah, I always mention this time of year, is normally translated as repentance. Repentance to me sounds like a monk sitting in the east, rolling his eyes and looking very much part of a different space. That's not Teshuvah. Teshuvah comes from the word Shuv, which means to return, which means that a Jew starts off closest to Hashem by the throne of glory, the Kisar Kavot. Averis, when he errs and he makes mistakes, it pushes him away. And Teshuvah is to return to that place. So Teshuvah's return. It's like a relationship that gets damaged. And now you want to return back to what it was. The whole angle on this changes dramatically. Because if you think it's repentance, well then what must I do? I'm a shochel a thousand times. I must sound very from. I must do multiple fasts. Right? No. Teshuvah is you returning to Hashem. That's what the perspective is. And that's what we're able to achieve. But we can only do that if we cut away that barrier. We remove the blockages. All the biases, all the agendas, all the desires that get in the way. All the conveniences that we feel we can't give up. That's the teshuva, that's the return. Second angle is tefillah. The Pasuk says, Ani ledoidi v'doidili. I am for my beloved and my beloved is for me. Who is our most beloved? Who's the one who loves us more than anyone else? HaKadosh Baruch. So Hashem is the one who loves us more than anyone else. He is my doity. In fact, I found the Vilna Gaon in a different context. Explains that the doity means someone who loves me more than I can ever imagine, more than any person is a capability of, of loving in this world. He is the one who is constantly thinking of me. So I am for the one who loves me the most. And now I also have to be. I also have to be for him. Because he's constantly for me. That's what we have to achieve in Elul. In Elul we have to achieve that. How do we do that through Tefillah? What is Tefillah? Tefillah, importantly, is the opportunity that Hashem has given us. To have an audience with him at any time and any place. And even using our own words. There is the formal tefillah. And then there is personal tefillah. But tefillah ultimately is a relationship. Revolver of blessed memory. Famous mashkiach. Paul Musa. Revolver when it came to summertime. In the yeshiva. 
they used to move Mincha from just around lunchtime till later because summertime the, the sun sets very late in Israel, towards like seven-ish. So, you, so the yeshiva used to dive in Mincha late. And Revolver used to go and find another minion for an early mincha. So they asked him, why? Why don't you daven with the yeshiva? So he explained. He said, I cannot go for such a long time without talking to Hashem. Even the formal tefillah. I need to put mincha early in the day because I can't go from shachris in the morning all the way till mincha late afternoon. That's when tefillah is alive with them. I've got a daven to HaKadosh Baruch I've got a daven. And that is what we occupy a lot of our time in this time. We add now more prayers with slichas before Rosh Hashanah. We add more prayers during the 10 days of Tshuva. Rosh Hashanah, of course, it's Tvila. Yom Kippur is Tvila. Everything is about that, but you've got to put in. You've got to put in for that and use this tremendous gift that Hashem says. You know, the, um, the Medrash brings down, Medrash says that Jewish people are compared to a worm that can eat away at a root and cause an entire tree to fall over. How does that work? How does that work? The answer is that the power of our mouth of Tzvila is the power to bring down buildings. We can bring down the greatest challenges when we dive into Hashem. But the third hint for Elul, very importantly, is Sadaka. As it says in the Megillah, that every man needs to give Matanois, right, um, friend, um, presents to his fellow Jew, and Le'ev Yoinim, and also to the poor people, right? We know that everyone has to give presents to each other, and 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 gifts to the very poor. And in the Pasuk that describes the friendship between Jew and Jew that should be achieved on Purim and was achieved at the time of the miracle and the gifts to the poor, there is the acronym there for Elul. And this is the hint that one of the greatest powers we have now is the power of Tzedakah. Now, first of all, we have to know what Tzedakah is before we can utilize this. Tzedakah is translated often as charity. That's not Tzedakah. Charity is giving money to anyone or anything that needs. You know, I can give charity to an organization. I can give charity for animal care. But that's not Tzedakah. Stalker is a mitzvah of a Jew to his brother. It's a specific mitzvah of a Jew to a fellow Jew. When you give him tzedakah, you give him money, you help him financially, that activates unbelievable blessing in this world. As Shlomo Melech says, Stalker saves one from death. To give an example, Rabbi Akiva's daughter was getting married. And she had like a brooch, right? A pin. And it was a bit heavy on her. So she took it out and she stuck it into the wall, right? The walls in those days are different to our days. She stuck it into the wall. And then later, she, when she came to get it back, she found that she had stuck it into the eye of a dangerous snake and killed the snake. So after this, she was pretty shaken up and she went to her father, Rebbe Akiv. 
And she said to Rabbi Akiva, she said, what happened over here? So Rabbi Akiva says, is there anything that you did on the day of your wedding, kindness, giving? She said, yes, a poor man came to my wedding asking for food and I gave him my portion of food. Can you imagine this? It's your wedding. Poor guy comes up. You don't want to see, you want to dance, you want to rejoice, you want to entertain. And you take your dish and you give it to them. Can you imagine? Says Rabbi Akiva, there was a decree that you would die. But this saved you. As the Postuk says, Stoker, when you give money to your fellow Jew, it saves you from death. It's an unbelievable concept. And it's so easy when we set money aside for our fellow Jews. When we think and we make sure that they have what they need for Yom Tev. That they're not living in panic and concern coming to the Yom Tev. When you can make sure to help them put food on the table and pay their debit orders. What happens? Hashem saves you from death. And what's the logic? Because Chazal tell us that a person who is so poor is Chosh of Kameis. In a sense he feels like he's not alive. Because he is so under such anguish and stress and pressure. When you give him money, you give him life. So Hashem says, you give him life, I'll give you life. That's what it means. There's a famous question that Reb Chaim Oizegrajensky was asked. Fascinating. We could never say these words. But the God Lador could say these words. The greatest rabbi of the generation. Chaim Moiseh was asked, and he died in 1940. He said, with the war that had taken place, the beginnings of the Second World War, someone asked him, what's going to be with the Jews in America? And Chaim Moiseh said something quite astounding. He said, because of the stocker they give, they're going to be saved. Can you imagine? Can you imagine such a thing? Everyone knows. 20s, 30s. All the great yeshivas used to go to America. And they used to support them and support poor people. Unbelievable. To this day, to this day, the wealth of America has, has supported so much Torah around the world and so many people around the world. Stalker taught to me Stalker saves a person from death. The Rambam writes that the positive mitzvah that a person is to be most careful with in the entire Torah, he says his stalker. Unbelievable statement. I would have said you have to be careful with a whole bunch of other mitzvahs. No, not to say that you violate anything else, but the one that you need to put so much effort into is stalker. Because when you are using what Hashem's given you as a gift to support, to lift up another Jew, and you're giving him life, you're giving him encouragement and support, changes everything. Changes everything. Tell you a story. Rav Moshe Weiss tells over the story. The Altar of Kelm was one of the Gidoli Yisrael, Simcha Zisl Zif. And the Altar of Kelm was a great goal and a genius in understanding people. He was a student of Rav Yisrael Salanta who was the god Lador and also understood people the most brilliant way. Famous Muslim movement came from him. 
And the altar of Kelm once had a dream. And in the dream, he saw that in Kelm, there was a big tumult, big happening. What happened? Rabbeinu Yoina. Rabbeinu Yoina, who was one of the greatest medieval commentators, one of the greatest people ever lived the last thousand years. He was coming to give a shear in Kelm. So of course, who doesn't want to hear Rabbeinu Yoina? So he goes to the base medrash, but there's a guard outside. He says, wait a minute. Who are you? He says, I'm Simcha Zizel Ziv. He says, I don't know you. Can't come in. But my Rebbe is Rabbi Yisrael Salanta. I know Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, but you can't come in. He said, my son's Nochem Velvel. Your son's Nochem Velvel, then you can come in. And then he woke up. So Simcha Zizel ran to his son after he woke up. And he went to him and he said to him, Nochem Velvel, Nochem Velvel. Did you do anything very special today? Any special mitzvah. Velvel thinks and he thinks, you know what? I think I did something. One thing. He says, you know that my shoes had holes in it. And it's cold. It's winter. It was Russia. And I saw in the shops a beautiful pair of shoes in the shop window. And I decided I was going to buy those pairs. That pair. And he went and I bought it. I put it on and it felt so good. It felt so comfortable. And then you know what happened? I saw a poor person come to my door for money and he left. And he walked out of my house with feet in the snow. Said to myself, how can I let him walk with feet in the snow? And I called him back and I gave him my shoes. I went back to my old shoes with holes in. Sandra of Simcha Zizel, the altar of Calm said, you're right. That was the act. What's the concept? Kodesh Baruch can mamish put someone on the map because of Tzedakah. There was once a very miserly man, says Rabbidiman. This miserly man wouldn't give anything to anybody. And he was dying. And his family came and said, you haven't eaten anything today. So he said, you know, I'm not hungry, but I mean, if you, if you make me a hard-boiled egg, okay, I'll eat it. Made him a hard-boiled egg and a poor man came to the door. And he wanted the egg. He was dying. He turns and he says to them, give the egg to him. Gave the egg to him. And then he died. He came back in a dream and he said, in Shemayim they were judging me. And in Shemayim they said, because of that act, I will merit the next world. Why? Because what happened was that poor man was so poor and he was so hungry he was about to die. And that egg saved his life. We don't know the power that we have when we give someone something. We don't know the power of it. We don't know the power of what it does to a person. How it strengthens a person. Machazek a person. I'll tell you another story. There was a plumber in Israel. And the plumber was called to a home. And he gets to the home and he can see it's very run down. There's all sorts of problems in the pipes, but there are other issues. And he works tremendously to unblock, to fix, to sort. But he looks around, he realizes it's a, a woman who's lost her husband. She's got lots of kids. He can see clearly she's struggling financially. And he's deciding in his head, I'm not going to charge her for the job. But when you don't charge someone, 
There's a busha, there's an embarrassment. So he's thinking of a means, how can I not charge her and still keep her dignity? So at the end of the job, it was a big job. The woman says to him, no, how much does it cost? He said, it's taken care of. It's paid for. She says, what do you mean it's paid for? He says, you know what? Your house is in a very old house in this area. And the area, the municipality wants to better these homes. So what happened was, is they told the plumbers that any plumber works on a house like this, the municipality will pay him and you don't have to pay him. Because it's in the interest of the, um, it's in the interest of the municipality to make sure that the houses are kept well. The woman thanked him profusely. Fast forward years later. He's working now elsewhere in Israel. He comes into a store. He orders something. And what happens is he gets a delivery to his door. A huge delivery. All sorts of amazing things. And he stops the guy at the truck and he says, One minute. This is not my delivery in order. He says, but it says you're paid for. He says, listen to me. He says, listen. I am going to... I am going to... Um, I am going to take it up with your superior. Because it can't be. And I know what's going to happen. I'm going to have to end up paying for this when it's not mine. So what happened? He goes to superior. Superior says it's paid for. He says, what do you mean it's paid for? So he says, listen, I don't know what's going on. Go to the guy in charge. So he goes upstairs to the guy in charge. And there's a secretary. and says, have you got a point? He says, no, but this is what happened. So... She calls the boss. The boss is coming. And he tells the boss, I don't know what happened from your store. I get this massive delivery. I didn't order it. It's not mine. So the boss looks at him and says to him, it's paid for. He says, what do you mean it's paid for? Who paid for it? So he said, the municipality paid for it. He says, what do you mean? He said to him like this. When I was a young boy, you came as a plumber to my mother. She never died. What did you do? You didn't charge her for a big job. You told her municipality had paid. I knew you made up the story. Ever since then, I've been watching where you have been, waiting for the opportunity where you would come into a store that I owned and I would return you the favor. And that's exactly what happened. One never knows the power the power, unbelievable power of tzedakah. However, and this is very important, tzedakah is not giving where you feel comfortable giving. It's very easy to give tzedakah to an institution that's 6,000 miles away. I don't see you, you don't see me, and that's it. It's all very nice, but it's convenient. It's easy to give tzedakah when everybody else says you should give it over there. But you know when it really counts? You know what it really means a lot? When you give tzedakah to people who you don't necessarily get on with. People in your family, people of your acquaintances who've driven you nuts and you're going to help them anyway. 
people who you think, oh, they should be working, they should be this, should be that, and they've fallen in hard times, and you're going to give them anyway. People who you're not going to give stocker to and get your name on a beautiful placard or a beautiful plaque somewhere. No! You give stocker where Hashem wants you to give stocker. Not where you feel comfortable to give stocker. That's really what separates it. And if you look at what Rav Nachum Belville did, when he gave his own shoes, what was he doing over there? He was saying that something that's so dear to me, I'm going to give to someone who's a complete stranger. I don't know this guy. And I'm going to help him anyway. Stalker tatsil mimovis. Stalker saves a person from death. But it needs to be pushed sometimes. Member of Divrocha wrote one of the things that he said is when it came to his community, one of the most important things he used to push was in terms of giving them money. I want to conclude with a story. In Russia, the Ponevizhirov of blessed memory, who famously was the Rov in Ponevizh in Lithuania, and then later he was the Rov yeah, of the Ponevizh Shiv in Benebrak. He came all around the world, he went for his Yeshiva. And the Ponevizhirov, Zichonevracha, met up with a guy where he collected from in Russia. And then he met up with him later and the guy said, Rebbe, I'm angry with you. He says, why am I angry with you? Why, why, what did I do wrong? He said, Rebbe, when you came to me for money, you should have pushed me for more because the revolution happened and the communists took everything away from me. At least if I would have given it to you, I would have taken that with me to Shemaim. Let's not be in that position. Let's turn to HaKadosh Baruch and say, Hashem, you've given me X. Let me help your children now while I can. You don't know what's going to be tomorrow. You don't know what's going to be in the future. And if we do that, and we give chiyus, we give life to our fellow Jews, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please God, will give us life back. And I wish you, as I do already this time of year, as we're getting into Elo, should be written and sealed in the book of life. Thanks, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you.